welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about video games and the passage of time. My name is Bob. And my name is Matt. You are, you have the radio voice going today. I know. Wow. I'm ready for it. I'm so glad that you brought that smoky tone so we can talk about video games. But not and before, time. Well, yes. The passage of time. It's time to talk about the passage of time. Um, so we've been doing this on a weekly basis. Yeah, for 19 weeks now. Yeah. Uh, and in that time, we've built a rabid following, cult yeah. following. But at a loss. Monetarily for us? You've been divorced twice. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, there's yeah. that. And, I mean, there's the fact that running a cult's kind of difficult because, like, they drink a lot of Kool-Aid. Like That's a lot. Dude. You don't go off-brand. It's not cheap. When you're, when you're running a real cult, you well, don't you, go off-brand. You, you got to cover up the flavor of all the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> So you want you want that full flavor fruit punch. But what we're getting at here uh, is that we're busy people. It's difficult to do this um, because I have to cut out all of our ums, ahs, and all of the stuff that we say that makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> You'd be amazed. Most times when we record this, it runs about seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it's taking some time. And what we're going to do to solve that is move to a bi-weekly schedule so that we can give you all that hot, thick video game knowledge uh with more time to think about it and also we're gonna be able to play more games so it'll be even better for you the listener that'll actually be important because clearly as someone who has managed to put 24 hours into stardew valley my video game playing time has been suffering because of the podcast yeah and i i just wanted to give you the opportunity to really get back into this thing you love yeah i actually i went back to a quick update on stardew valley i went back to stardew valley um right after we recorded that podcast and i looked at my time on it and i was relieved to see that it had not actually been a full day of my life that's funny because I went and looked at your time in it uh, on the Switch friends list just recently, and you were above thirty. Well, that's because I've been playing it since. Yeah, you're really <laughs> you're still cranking. I just want the I just want the listener at home to know. That's what I did Valley. all Sunday. Wow, <laughs> that's great. I, yeah. I'm so glad that you're loving it. Um, yeah. So we're gonna go biweekly, um, <clears throat> and I think that it's still gonna be fun and good, and I hope that you like it. And uh, we're always gonna be here for you, listener. Yeah. Coming at you fast, twice weekly. <laughs> yeah, I want I want us to leave this operating under different <laughs> understandings of what bi-weekly means, where you think, like, you're just making it on your own in your bedroom alone, doing both voices. Well, it's funny, because, like, we, you know, probably do have different, like, our, our we both, I don't know how to explain Are you this. saying we're different people? Our understanding of time is different. Yeah. I assume that we both yes. have a unique understanding of time. Like I am like a fly <laughs> with with input from literally thousands of eyes. So on you my are face. Neo in the Matrix. I am. Yes, where I am I am moving at such a fast speed that to to me this is this is a very sluggish, slow event, which is why I want to space it out and just only do it once every two weeks. That's fair enough. The news will be better too. That's true. There's going to be so much more hot news. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which. Who's our uh, news editor this week? I'm the news editor. I'm wearing the news editor hat. Yes, your newsboy um, cap. So we're going to do... Extra, We're going to do our it. usual news hour bit where I read uh, some headlines and then we discuss them. But I'm also going to throw some quick takes at you where I read you a headline and I want you to tell me what you think it's about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. These all come from Kotaku over the course of the past week. Uh, let's, go, let's go backwards, starting with uh, yesterday. 
more evidence that Assassin's Creed and Watch Dogs are set in the same universe. So this is just about the the fact that the two Ubisoft properties, Assassin's Creed and Watch Dogs, are set in the same universe. Do you care about this? No. Not at all? Why? Because it raises this question, whose universe is it really? Is it that Watch Dogs... It's, it's Far Cry, man. It, what? It Watch belongs, Dogs it exists in, in Assassin's Creed's universe? Endless mercenary killer Far Cry Man <laughs> just is on some. Far Cry Man is in some like third world embattled country, like continent, mm-hmm. right? Thousands of years ago, that place was destabilized by a time traveling assassin who was murdering historical figures. This just lines up. Historical then, figures. The truth is, though, that none of this happened because it all happened within a video game made by Abstergo or what? I think it is Abstrigo. <laughs> I don't Abst- think it's Abstrigo. <laughs> They're Absurdo. all playing Stratego. <laughs> Stratego. Uh, yeah. I, that that makes sense. That seems like a dumb thing somebody would do if they had to write a quote-unquote story for what we call a quote-unquote video game. I don't care about these Let's games. Let's move Keep on going. to Friday. Uh, the Collapse of Visceral's Ambitious Star Wars Game. I read this piece. Yeah, this is a piece by Jason Schreier. The Schreier. Um, Schreier. 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 Anyways, we love Jason Schreier and also enjoy saying his name in a comical way <laughs> or missing yeah I, I actually have no idea how i'm supposed as, to say even though it. i've heard it multiple times the trial. Um, so this this reads the as a piece it reads very much like a follow-up to a lot of his writing in that book blood sweat and sweat blood sweat and pixels <laughs> blood sweat and pixels Pixels, keep going Pixels. <laughs> uh Insofar as that, I mean, you want to recap what happened for us? Uh, what happened with this game is that it was on fire from day one, yeah. and, they, and they never put it out. So the narrative, uh, <laughs> the narrative around the idea that EA is not interested in single player games, well, the EA has essentially said that they are not particularly interested in single player games. Um, that's less pertinent to why this was shut down, and it seems like it was shut down because quote. Quote Bob, it was a fire. Yeah, I mean, like, from day one, this entire story is just, yeah, that they started making this thing and they're. It seems as though their ambitions for it would have cost even the best development studio in the world like a hundred million dollars. Yeah. And they didn't have anywhere near that, nor did they have the like number of people necessary to produce that nor did anyone on the team have experience required to make the type of game they wanted to make nor were they using an engine that would in any way lend itself to a game that they wanted to make and the 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 team issue and the fact that no one seemed to necessarily be getting along or have the same vision for the game the fact that amy hennig was had her hands like in every aspect of the gameplay like noted story wizard amy hennig was for some reason also helping with level design yeah. Approval or something? An art direction? And EA has that strange mandate that everybody use the Frostbite engine. I don't think that's strange. I think that it's uh, out of a desire to... I think that's strange. Bethesda doesn't force everyone to use... But Nintendo forces everyone to use their own engine. But doesn't Nintendo have multiple engines? My understanding, at least, at least going back to the N64, was that the... Ocarina of Time engine is the Mario 64 engine just heavily modified. It makes sense for the Nintendo 64. I would imagine that, that modern. Is, I, I bet you that is continued. I bet I'll bet you that the engine underneath Mario Odyssey and I guess the Breath more surprising the thing similar. is that EA is mandating the Frostbite even when we have seen that the, like the Frostbite engine has like somewhat famously 
crashed and burned other games. Well, I think I think that from their perspective, by making third-person games with the Frostbite engine, they'll eventually build the Frostbite engine up to the point where it can yeah. handle that. So I there's think a that the, there's a modified Frostbite that can do that. So, but like they should have maybe worked Dragon Age, used like the like the Dragon Age Inquisition um version of whatever frostbite they I'm were sure they were the I, th- I think that the issue is less that they are conceptually misguided i think that the problem is that they are going okay right now this engine doesn't do it we want it to do that but i want it to do that on a budget and in the next two years yeah, less than and two years. then they want to create games that are massive world-class world-beating things they don't yeah go build some super tight super tight short and simple and then go okay now the tooling's up let's go build the big thing they instead go let's try to do everything at once and in the process build this thing out and that's a terrible idea yeah um well i hope that they're listening and i'm glad that they'll be here two weeks from now for the next episode of the zero stars podcast (laughs) uh time (laughs) moving on uh, anyway, actually, it's just it's sad still. Poor Visceral. But, I feel bad. Yeah, I feel yeah. bad for Visceral. But it seems like everyone was just frustrated. All the quotes from within Visceral seem to indicate that everybody within Visceral, I think that one of them literally says the words mercy killing in that article uh, yeah. because it was such a train wreck. Yeah. Okay, we're going to do a quick take. All right. This is from a Mike Fahey joint. Hellboy beats the you-know-what out of his opponents in Injustice 2. So what 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 does he beat? What is the you know what? I assume. Hmm. I mean, this is a this is a former Gawker site. They're not af- afraid to yeah, I to actually, curse and use salty language. Did, I mean, like, I was like the hell because he's the hell boy. That's what, I didn't read the article. I'm still trying to figure it out. Hmm. The you know what? Like, is this a is this just like a Hellboy in joke that if we had watched one of the potentially movies, do, is it Voldemort? It might be Voldemort. <laughs> okay, <laughs> beat the Voldemort. What? I don't know. You're not allowed to say his name. (laughs) (laughs) When it was revealed that, like, the editorial staff at Gawker believes the Wizarding (laughs) World to be an actual thing. And so they'll say anything except for his (laughs) name. (laughs) They're fine with everything. But they don't, you know, think about how much damage Hulk Hogan did to them. You don't want the King of Darkness suing you. Wrestled them to the ground. Well, financially with speaking. a tag team with Peter Thiel, but that's yeah, a separate thing. We love Peter Thiel. <laughs> no, um, you don't. Everybody no, we loves don't. Peter Thiel. No, we don't. I am going to back out of this. <laughs> <laughs> Our special guest, Peter Thiel. Oh, God, On epi- why? For episode 20, we bring you... Anyway, um, <laughs> if you know what Hellboy beats out of people, please write in... <laughs> podcast at zero stars.co we welcome your feedback peter teal noted <laughs> hellboy fan and listener thursday sources say amazon's breakaway is basically canceled amazon makes video games right like that happened amazon amazon has started trying to make video games does, it, does far cry 2 man still clint hawking there? Both Clint Hawking and Kim Swift, Kim Swift of Portal and Clint Hawking of Far Cry 2, yeah. have were were brought on by Amazon and left within the past like few years. I forgot about that entire endeavor. I know they still have not put out a game. Man. Yeah, uh they also like they bought Crytek's like 
license yeah to to use the the cry engine like they spent like a ton of money on that and i think that they like helped crytek get out of debt in I think exchange they did do that. yeah by giving them a so like none of that matters to amazon because they just posted oh, they, insane results and yeah they just print more money. value than like anybody else ever in the past week so but it is interesting because um anyway this game breakaway was described as being a uh, hero sports brawler and it was like going to be presumably their flagship game for amazon game studios but it's weird that i kept i remember this news coming out and then it just disappeared from my head but like i wonder like were they just producing games for like the kindle fire they were or... their goal was to make games for like the fire tv which okay. is like the apple tv equivalent so, that they have but would it be exclusive yes is the question that was yes is it shocking to me that like now that they've you know they're all over the um film industry like they're they're just producing oscar winning pieces regularly yes. films so i'm surprised that like this that the video games haven't been fast tracked i think it's harder to make video games than people realize and i think it's particularly difficult to true. make video games on low-end android hardware that's why i was curious um whether this was going to be intended exclusively for low-end android I, hardware. I, I think the ouya shows us that maybe that's not a great way to go you know what's surprisingly expensive ouyas ouyas that's not surprising at all because they didn't sell a lot of ouyas so they didn't make very many i have to imagine that particularly those initial like ones that are signed do you remember that? No. The Who first run them? of them, I think, is numbered and has the signature of... They I'm could sure, only print so many. Yeah, some idiot who worked on the Ouya. <laughs> some random guy. I guess we can all look forward to Amazon's The Ouya 2. But I, the real sad the thing... The Tuya. What's it, Tuya? <laughs> Sticking it to you. Uh, the sad thing here is that like Clint Hawking... And Kim Swift have just been taken out of the industry for two years and effectively haven't been able to work. I assume that they were working on this breakaway. I bet game. they weren't. But like, uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like the sort of game that either of them would make. So, but I don't think Amazon's announced anything else. They announced a bunch of stuff in a flurry when the Fire okay. TV came out, and then I don't know that a ton of it came out. But I just get the sense that it is becoming increasingly clear to people that maybe the console space isn't ultra lucrative uh, my hope would be that they bring on someone again like clint hawking or kim swift the people who are known kind of as auteurs um and as uh, you know and and have them produce what they want to produce so i'm very curious to know what projects they were working on that presumably maybe are not moving forward without them none of that's getting but getting speaking out. of moving forward because time is like a river wow another quick take this is um from Nathan Grayson's article Gollum sucks and he asks is Garlo is Gollum is Jeff Garland Garland <laughs> is Gollum now the Jar Jar Binks of Middle Earth uh, he, he posits yes is Gollum in this new game yeah that's so dumb yeah of course it's dumb that whole new game looks so dumb <laughs> it looks so, it looks so dumb oh man <laughs> there's a lot of think pieces too being written about it um that it's just like tons of like this this game apparently has got some social issues that's oh definitely yeah. like the subjugation the of an entire yeah. race yeah. that is seemingly the intellectual equal of the white male protagonist <laughs> yeah i can see where that might cause some issues also an entire race that has been based like 
not too subtly in its portrayal in film and television on like a lower class. Oh, they're like the dirt people. Yeah, they are. They they speak with the Cockney accents in like the Lord of the Rings yeah. movies because you know it's it's they're not, not highborn. Yeah. Uh. Well. Anyway, I would Gollum, say Jar Jar yeah, I, that totally lines up okay. because anything I think that you can identify whether or not that's the case by how easy it is to do a dumb accent with your friends of the character when you're in high school <laughs> and uh both of well those put. check out so i'll put that's like a, that's kind of a test that's your invectal test it's it doesn't really accomplish quite as much but yes <laughs> should we call this the the bob dorf mascot test yeah sure all right we'll be bringing that back thursday Thousands of NeoGAF users flock to new website. The uh, the new website is, is called Reset Era. It's uh. So do you? How much do you know about this? Uh, I I know a fair amount about this. For those who do not know, GAF is the new gaming age forums. NeoGAF, uh, which w- was born out of the shutdown of the original gaming age forums, I guess. Um, and then it's this kind of exclusive. You need a not Gmail account to get a membership. I have a lapsed account there because I just don't give a shit how, about how forums. How long ago did you create that account? Five years. Oh, wow. Yeah, but I, I just, I never post in forums, so I don't go on there. Yeah. But uh, the head of this thing got accused of harassment Ty- or yeah. assault. Tyler Malko was accused of sexual harassment. Like repeatedly. Yeah, I mean, it was when an ex, an ex of his came out saying that, and then as these things happened to do, then more people step forward with with yeah. accusations um but so he the shut, thing so he shut down the site for a few days yeah and this is the premier video game forum yeah, on the which internet. which strangely he runs alone kind of which i found i didn't know that but apparently he just like pretty much does everything that makes sense um i mean i guess i don't know much about this kind of thing but i always thought that it was like so large that it was a would require you know multiple people and, there's moderators well there's still yeah i mean the, there aren't any more that's part of the issue right, they all bailed all the moderators bailed and everyone is going to this new site called reset era um i'm not sure who created it or why but we uh, really should have gotten in there and just been like zero stars.co <laughs> we <laughs> couldn't afford the rickety M. forum <laughs> i like coded together in a night just like dump some shareware <laughs> forum stuff in there we should start distributing shareware discs with like our podcast on it. MP3 discs. Just, with here's, hours. A, here's a shareware copy of Doom, <laughs> but the soundtrack files are replaced with our podcast episodes. So you play Doom and listen and listen to us. To us. Yeah, you just hear us. Kind of like that. Yeah, that's kind of a great. When idea. you fire your gun, is there like a special sound? <laughs> It's just one of us laughing. Yeah, it's just a terrible, irritating laugh, or one of us saying the word like. (laughs) Excellent. Anyway, coming soon to Reset Era. Yes, we will post a thread on Reset Era where everyone can. Would you guys like this? (laughs) It'll be a poll. Yeah. Do you think we should do this? Oh, man. Speaking of polls. Does Reset Era have the same limitations on on posting? I have no idea. Okay. Um, I haven't visited the site. I was not a NeoGAF visitor either. I, I did think that this was interesting, though, in, in light of this. And, and Kotaku's actually been all over this, um, understandably, given their sort of, their sort of bent. Um, like, I would say Kotaku is, in a non-pejorative way, a social justice warrior 
a hive of social justice warriors. I don't think that hive is a great <laughs> word, but yeah. Because they're all busy. It's a good place. They're all buzzing around, it's, yeah. It's a good place. So they've been, uh, they've covered some of the sexual harassment that's recently been reported in sort of the wake of the Harvey Weinstein, the sort of deluge that's come in multiple industries. Um, I'm very curious to see how much more of this there is. Uh, a it, lot. Within, and I imagine, I imagine it's endemic, in a, a, especially a world where where men outnumber women to such a degree and tend to hold positions of power. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, we knew that there was a lot outside the, the like the industry itself, but a lot. A lot. <laughs> Hopefully, it all gets uncovered by Jason Schreier. Hopefully. Godsend. The Schreier. Save us, Schreier. All right. Um, quick take. Patreon starts enforcing stricter rules on sex games. What are these rules? Bummer. <laughs> I don't know. I've actually never gone on Patreon. I'm trying to think if I've ever supported someone on Patreon. I don't think so. I bought things from people who are on Patreon, but not through their Patreon, but through their like itch.io. Uh-huh. But Yeah. Anyway, I don't know what they are. I, I, I assume serious. it's just like less sex games. <laughs> I just, well, it was the Wild West before, apparently. I like, I like the idea that there's somebody whose job it is at Patreon to just click through it and be like, too sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I deem this one too sexy. This one, though, just sexy enough. Is the Goldilocks of the Patreon sex games. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right, uh, Wednesday, the Connect is officially dead. Okay. No longer in production. What a bummer. Do you have a Connect? I don't. I really, I, so I have the bone, uh, but I got the one after they stopped including the Connect. And I have consistently wanted to purchase a Connect for it, which, number one, I would need to also get an adapter to make it work with the new one because they just removed the port for it entirely. Oh, yeah. But number two, they are stupidly expensive. They're still like 80 bucks or something on ebay um and i assume that's because they are pretty technologically advanced <laughs> i mean clearly that like there was like when people would mod their connects to yeah. work with their like to do stuff with their pc they were doing pretty fucking amazing stuff why one of the largest companies in the world was incapable <laughs> of doing anything with it that i would define as pretty fucking amazing i mean this is, is like... sort of a question for the ages but yeah. sure now it's dead um quick take Atlas on why Shin Megami Tensei Five is a Nintendo Switch game. Why do you think Atlas is releasing this on the Switch? Wait a minute. Is this this is the Persona the, but the this original? Is not a Persona this game. is not a Persona game because but this Persona is a spinoff, a much more successful spinoff. I see from the, Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Why are they releasing it on the Switch? Because. Well, number one, they've never played the Specs Race. Like, they released like PS3 games five years into life cycle and yeah. stuff. They're nut jobs, so that's unsurprising that they wouldn't care about power. They don't seem very good at drawing high res assets, from what I've seen of Persona, because like Tokyo in Persona looks like it fell out of a PS2. Well, like everyone, everything looks great except for you look up at the ads and yes, uh, like on the they're towers so and they're low resolution, pixelated. Guess yeah. where they look great. On a portable mode switch, yeah. so they nailed it. Good job for them. Well, the also, actual, the switch is the best. Actual answer, according to the director, is that the switch is quote charming. He's not wrong. Yeah, I thought that that was wonderful. Yes, that's yeah. beautiful. 
All right. One last thing. GameCube controller support on the Switch. I saw this. Yeah. Apparently, Nintendo didn't intend for this. It was just that the firmware was updated to allow for all third-party or more third-party controller support. And that includes, like, the adapter for the Wii U. So this wasn't intentional. Oh, weird. So the Wii U adapter that allows you to use your GameCube controller with your Wii U just happens to now work on the Switch, <laughs> which allows you to use a GameCube controller on the Switch. That's really great. Which is going to be great when they inevitably release Resident Evil five or 4 in HD. We already have a high-res version. But we got, we got but that. But not the one that we can play with the, with the GameCube controller. Whoa, I want the Wii port of that game with the motion controls. I mean, that would be pretty Switch. cool, too. That's what I want. I, want I, I would love to play the HD version of that game with a GameCube controller. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Man, the, yeah, GameCube, that'd be control, nice. the GameCube controller is a good game. I mean, it's, a good controller. It's one of the greatest controllers. I think it's really good, yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. That's all I had for the news, unfortunately. It wasn't very much. I think that was only like 45 minutes or so. Yeah, that was the closest we've ever come to a genuine news hour. That was ridiculous. (laughs) Absurd. Disgusting. Let's take a break. Hello, we're back. And uh, Matt wants to issue a correction. (laughs) Um... Yeah, we were talking about um, about one of our quick takes, the one about Patreon starts enforcing stricter rules on sex games. And we realized that this was probably not Patreon being, like, too sexy. It was probably Patreon, like, going through and being, like, too much pedophilia. So I just want to say... We are pro-regulating sex very games. Very supportive of regulating <laughs> yeah. sex games to remove... I want to make that yeah. very clear as our official position... There's nothing funny about pedophilia. That is 100% accurate. There's a lot of funny things about furries and sexy cosplay games. Okay. <laughs> Temple of Doglorak. Yeah, just go look up the Temple of Doglorak. It's Doglorak. We do this every I time. I think it's Doglorak. I think that you want it to be Doglorak because that would be funnier. And I understand that, but I don't think that the writers of Temple of Doglorath were able to come up with like a pun that good. Writer of Temple of Doglorak, I know you're listening. Write in and tell Matt that I'm right. Okay, we're not going to look it up. No, uh, we're never going to look that up. Uh, so, Have you been playing video games? Oh, by the way, I beat Dark Souls. Dark Souls. Did you really? I did. I, mean, I didn't did. even ask. I didn't think no, it was I worth know. it. Uh, no, I beat it. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> it makes me so happy. So I uh, literally just had to like light the bonfire, went to, yes. the, went to like that last thing. I went in, fought him, got him to a second stage, and he just beat the... This is the final boss of Dark Souls 3, to just remind everybody. Um, beat the you-know-what out of you, he right? Beat, he beat the what, Hellboy. He is a Hellboy. Beats out of people. Uh, he beat it out of me, so I was like, "I guess I'm going to do this again." And I went to the bonfire, went, you know, stood up, living again at the bonfire, um, embered myself, and a little glowing thing showed up on the ground, like uh, to call someone to your side. Did you roll with a friend for the very first time in this game. I rolled in with a friend. <laughs> I don't think I used a single Estus flask. <laughs> it was just like this. This person was, she was a, a mage and okay. just like throwing spells, like flicking them all over the place, just like knocking this guy back over and over again. I was just kind of standing there watching. <laughs> um, it was like 
comical and kind of reminded me of why they're like why I don't usually like roll anywhere with any with any other players yeah. in these games. But um, yeah, then that's how I beat the game. <laughs> Someone else did it for fun. me, yeah. <laughs> especially because um, I think I was giving you shit about. Oh, I used somebody on, help. on the early on an earlier yeah, on an earlier one. So I decided to do it for the only one that counts. Yeah, uh, but it's a pretty good fight. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. The one form where he has a spear is substantially easier than all the others. Is that the first form? They cycle. Oh, you mean, okay, where he switches through. Yeah, yeah. He just They're more like weapons. their stances more than in some ways. Well, he changes the actual weapon he uses. Okay, yeah. So, you only... <laughs> I, I sense that you, you maybe didn't do this very much. I did. I played, I played it twice. Yeah, and one time you didn't play it. Yeah, I just Well, this it. is the most anticlimactic and terrible ending to one of everyone's favorite segments on the show I could have imagined. Well, the really upsetting thing is that I never saw The Onion Knight again. Yeah. So in a way, like, it's extraordinarily anticlimactic, but also represents kind of like the way that life and time works. Oh, man, that's dark. Yeah. Well, this everything is a bummer, marches on. But... So what have you been playing? What have you... Anything come out? Anything of interest? I have been playing the newest Super Mario game, uh from nintendo it's a sequel to super mario iliad super mario odyssey how long have you been sitting on that joke i just thought of it today (laughs) i was like how has no one else made this joke you did that thing with your eyes where you make (laughs) the joke and you look off into the distance (laughs) seeking approval from From some higher being (laughs) yeah i'm like somewhere homer it's just homer takes two of his fingers kisses them raises them up (laughs) Just right. Uh, anyways, yeah, I've been playing Super Mario Odyssey on the Nintendo Switch. This is the new Mario game, and uh, it's very, very good. And also, I feel weird about it. Um, before we talk about why you feel weird about it, wh- what makes it good? I mean, people have been talking about Mario games for years, and I just never, you know, that's not true. You you love a Mario I game. I do love a good Mario game. But my favorite Mario... I haven't played a Mario game that I loved since um, 64. This game is definitely the most 64-esque Mario game that Which I've played me. since then. Um, but you know what this game also really reminds me of? Certainly Super Mario Sunshine, I feel, was very Super Mario 64-y-ish. Uh, um, yeah. And this game has a little bit of that because... In Super Mario Sunshine, you had this water backpack that was a jetpack that let you kind of finesse jumps so that you could miss a jump in 3D space and then fire this jetpack and kind of float back to where you needed to be. Mm-hmm. So it was an interesting idea that was in addition to the normal jumping mechanics of a Mario game. Uh, this game's kind of actually a sequel to that in a lot of ways, in the sense that you are Mario, you have your normal repertoire of jump moves, it feels amazing, it's really fun to jump around, and then you can throw your hat, which is your main way of interacting with the world in like a combat method, where you throw this hat and it will kill things. You can still, can you still jump on people? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And crush and them? And it's amazing. With your meaty legs. You can murder people with your boots. This game has learned... I, I'm going to be all over the place on this, but... Um, That's fine. So what what I want to get at first is that it feels like Super Mario Sunshine because there are a lot of different mechanics in the game that change the way jumping works. And you access all of these by throwing your hat. If your hat interacts with certain enemies, um, most enemies, you, it's kind of amazingly intuitive which ones you can do this to. Hmm. 
but I honestly don't know what differentiates them other than that I consistently go like, I could probably do that, yeah. and it well, works. Nintendo is pretty good at those amazingly intuitive things. Yeah. Uh, but you throw your hat, it hits the enemy, and you become the enemy. And this could so be a... Mario ceases to exist. Yes, Mario then... is the thing. So, so And he's nowhere else. It's not like you can see Mario. No, Mario's not remote controlling this person. Okay. Mario is this person. Okay. And so it happens in this really slick animation where time kind of freezes uh and then you're getting sucked into the thing and during that time you can kind of adjust the facing of the thing you're getting sucked into um what so do you mean by the adjust the face so you can kind of turn the enemy or whatever that you're okay. controlling which is important because one of the things for instance that you can control is a bullet bill which oh. is constantly moving forward so you inhabit this thing and before it starts to move again you can actually change which way it's facing and then when you jump out of things, you can always like pull the stick in the direction you want to jump out where you like disinhabit the thing. And what that allows you to do is never end up killing yourself jumping in and out of these enemies, which is exactly the sort of thing that I feel like a different company would screw up. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, but what this does is it gives you completely different and or slightly augmented movement mechanics. Um, that really change the way the game plays. And beyond that, it lets you move those mechanics around the map in weird ways. So there's a lot of stuff that will be, oh, if I was in this enemy in this area of the map, that'd be really good because I could do this thing and get to this item. So you're trying to, but, to get that enemy over there. And so, yeah, potentially, like that enemy doesn't actually hang out around that part of the map. Mm -hmm. So, you need to figure out a way to get them over there with their movement mechanics from wherever they live. So, in a lot of ways, it's, 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 I assume that, that, that the, um, the hat mechanic is kind of takes the place of like the cape or the, it's just, yeah, it just changes the way you move. And, and, but it seems, so it's basically puzzle solving. It seems more actively puzzle, puzzle solving than platforming, even. It is, there's a lot of platforming in it, obviously. You're jumping between Oh, platforms. yeah, certainly. I mean, it but wouldn't, it's a Mario game. I remember the, a conversation, like, there's an interview with Shigeru Miyamoto where he basically talks about how Super Mario 64 ended up being more Zelda-y than I think he intended, mm -hmm. and that they ended up using a lot of ideas that they had had for 3D Zelda for Super Mario 64 and stuff, and it was more of a puzzle game. Yeah. Uh, and it is more of a puzzle game. It's a, a lot of the situations in Mario 64 are just kind of figuring out how you're going to get to a spot, more so than actually executing the jumps to get there. Yeah, which is uh, I always loved about it. Yeah. This, and it's, and the is, worlds are never too busy. This is that game, except with the density cranked up by a thousand percent. Which is, is that something that you'd like? Or is this where your misgivings come in? Because the density makes me nervous. Uh, I really like it. Okay. I... It is one of the most compulsively playable things I've ever experienced because the, the premise of the game is that you're just finding these moons, which are just items, yeah. that are in the environment. You can hear them when they're nearby. This is a mechanic, an extension of a mechanic that was the core mechanic of Mario 3D Land and 3D World, where you were playing these sort of linear levels, but then by going off the beaten path in these levels, you could find three stars that were hidden. Hmm. Um, and that was actually the game. Like okay. beating the levels was part of the game, but exploring the levels and figuring out ways that they were manipulating your perception of the levels in terms of perspective of the camera and stuff uh, was the actual game. And this is that 100%. That's what this is. 
anybody that says that this game is a return to like Mario 64 form after the digressions of Mario 3D Land and World has no idea what they are talking about and probably didn't play those games because this game is exactly those games. Mm. It is 100% a sequel to those games in the sense that those those games were linear though, right? And they forced you down a path. This is those levels stuck in the center of Mario 64 levels. And so you can approach those environments from any angle, but the actual platforming mechanics feel exactly like those games. The way that stars are hidden and that it involves the camera being kind of... The camera's very good in this game. Yeah. But the way that it acts is designed to show and obscure you things in interesting ways. That sounds incredibly difficult to do. So it's, I have it's really no cool idea that, how they made yeah, this game. I, that's, that's incredibly impressive. It's really good. I have to say that one of the things that kind of turns me off about the density, though, is that there's also a visual density to it. And I, from the screens that I've seen, and it's, does it, is it easy to parse? Or is it as kind of like, because it has multiple aesthetics kind of clashing. So there are, what makes this like an odyssey, and I, I did make a really dumb joke to start this, but what makes this like the odyssey is that the actual story of the odyssey, right, is that, this dude's traveling, and he's like, I need to get home to my lady. And then his dog. Sure. Uh, there's no dog in this, but he wants to get to his lady. There's a dog. My, my, you sent me a picture of well, a there, dog. Well, there is this weird realistic dog that's just hanging out, but it's not your dog. Um, what is weird about this game, and I, I haven't seen anybody else talk about this, but this game is very... This game leans hard into the retrograde save the princess ideas, where like Peach is totally an object. Your goal in this game is to save her from Bowser, who is forcing her to marry him. <laughs> like, it is the stupidest, most just... Patreon would probably shut that down. I honestly kind of think they should. Like, I think that somebody needs to bring this up, because I'm surprised that nobody is, because... Oh, people are bringing it up. I feel, I've seen... I haven't seen it in reference to this specific game. And... Oh, I, I mean, I think that I've seen several reviews just, like, allude to it. No, I don't know if I've seen any headlines... But all the reviews that I've read have, I mean, granted, reviews from progressive sites like Polygon and and Kotaku have all alluded to the fact that, like, it is a lame use of that damsel in distress trope. Yeah, well, I I, I just feel like Nintendo should be better than this. But, okay, setting that aside, uh, what makes it like that story is that the Odyssey is just kind of this person going on this journey and encountering totally different things. So it's like, now I'm going into this weird whirlpool and there are monsters on either side of it. Now I'm in this area where there's sirens and they have to tie myself to the mast. And like, the adventures are totally disparate. Mm-hmm. Like, they actually have no connective tissue other than the fact that they are obstacles on this person's journey. So they really are just like random freak fantasy islands. That, that just happen. And that's totally what this game and that's is. that's ideal for Mario. You don't, yes. you don't need that connective tissue, that narrative tissue. Yeah, the, the idea... There is an element to it where I do not like all the aesthetics. And in fact, I kind of strongly dislike a lot of them because they look like an old Dreamcast game. And I don't like Mario hanging out with real life looking people as he does in one of the realms here. You can inhabit a man. You throw your hat and become a human man, despite the fact that until this point, I thought Mario was a human man. Uh, There's a lot of weird shit in it. And... I don't agree with that direction, but they do this. You're in this crazy world that looks like real life. It's a city. It's called New Donk City. The mayor of New Donk City is Pauline, who is the girl that you save in the original Donkey Kong. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And she's rendered like a cartoony lady, except that everybody who lives in her city looks like a real life person. I don't fully understand that, but okay. She's throwing a party. You like complete the main quest in this area and suddenly you just enter a pipe and now you are playing 2D Mario on, but you can see through the screen and the backdrop is this actual city where fireworks are going off and then you're running through it and then all of a sudden you are playing Donkey Kong and you go to the top of the Donkey Kong map and defeat Donkey Kong and jump out and now you are back in 3D world and... Pauline is singing this song with vocals. She's been singing this the whole time. It's like this jazz stand, like thing about being your one-up girl and stuff. And then she is doing the same animation in 3D that Pauline does in 2D in original Donkey Kong. Okay. And it is like the A most hallucinogenic yeah. and insane thing I have ever seen in my life. I like that direction. But it is that. Yeah. That's what it is. The- I like that direction. I just wish it looked more like like Breath of the Wild. But sometimes it does. I think, I want, but I want consistency. See, but I think, that the, I think that what this game totally lacks is consistency. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's the point of it. I, yeah. think that, I think that it kind of gains consistency because it's all a juxtaposition. And it's all just like... Here's what video games have looked like in every single case from other video games. Video games that Mario's never been in before. This is just a video game. Like, yeah. it's totally insane. It's crazy. Uh, and I don't love all of it. Like, I do not like the way a lot of it looks. But then there are parts of it that I really like the way that they look. And there's so much going on. And there's so much I don't know about. And there's just, like, weird, like metal cubes everywhere and in every level and i don't know what they mean i have no idea they look like they fell out of zelda i have no clue what the purpose is there are picture frames places sometimes i can jump into them sometimes they're just blank i don't know how so to activate sometimes them. are you just like running into a <laughs> into a wall and no. bouncing off no no because oh, like be you, you can tell that they're not they, they have nothing in them okay. but i don't know how to activate them there's just countless things that as often as I like round a corner and I'm just like, wow, something new and I know what to do. I round a corner and I'm like, wow, something new and I don't know what to do. And that's equally exciting. And so the fact that like I don't like about 50% of the way it looks, I'm totally over it. Yeah. Because the jumping is never bad. The parts of it that I do like the way they look, look amazing. The parts that don't look the, like exactly like how I would want them to, whatever. Because it's just so insane and it's so propulsive because you're always finding something. You're always, the density just means that you go, I wonder if, like, if I run, can I get in there? And you go in there and there's always something. Mm-hmm. You always get something. And so, I don't know, man. Like, there are 800 moons in that game, I heard. How many do you have so far? 120 or something. Okay. So you're More over an that. eighth of the way through this game. But, like, they're, they're, they're most analogous to Korok seeds, but they're better mm-hmm. hidden, and sometimes they're not. Like, sometimes they're just there. Sometimes and by better hidden, you don't mean that they're harder to find, but they're smarter, they're more smart. Sometimes, hidden. and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just like, okay. I just went up to this point that looked kind of interesting, and just like, hey, of hey, course there's one. one up there. But, yeah. like, sometimes it's something where you do some difficult jump challenge, and there it is. So a, it's a, cool. A, a ju- difficult jump challenge. Difficult jump challenge. I would also accept if this was called Super Mario Difficult Jump, jump Challenge. challenge. <laughs> But it's 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 very good, and I've, if you have a switch, you should purchase it. And I kind of, I kind of don't know who would hate this game. 
Like, I think that there is something in a lot of ways for everyone in this game. Yeah. And if even if that's just the movement mechanics, which are awesome for all of the creatures and people and objects you inhabit. So... Is Luigi in this game at all? I have no idea. I have not seen Someone him. Someone should mod this and just that replaces with a mod that replaces uh, Peach with Luigi. That would be great. It would fix everything. It Honestly, would make it a perfect no, game. the way you start it is the game starts and Mario and Luigi get captured and then you are Peach. And then but then you don't have the Mario moveset. You've got Peach's moveset, which would be cool, but it would I'm be fine. a totally different game. I mean, game. That, w- that would be the Metal Gear Solid 2 of the series. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Man, there is a... There was one more thing I wanted to say, and I, I kind of derailed me thinking about Luigi. Oh, this game also has Splatoon's like costuming. Mm-hmm. So you're just buying all these different clothes. I, I run around and I'm a mechanic. I wear like a racing suit and a backwards baseball cap that says Famicom, <laughs> and that's my Mario, and that's me, baby. And that's like there really are certain cool. things where you have to dress up to like get into areas. Yeah, because you have to purchase the outfits with money that you find in the environments. What kind of is this coins or is there, this like there are special cash? coins? There's oh, okay. special coins in each environment. I thought maybe Mario is like collecting coins, moons, and just any cash you <laughs> yeah, can find. Spare change in the gutter. Pickpocketing people as he runs yeah. through New Donk City. But so I'm just like mechanic Mario. It is weird. I want a super or a Famicom hat. If I could buy that hat, I bet you that they sell that hat. Yeah. I it's a really cool hat. Yeah. So I, it's a very good game. Everybody should buy it. I don't know. It, it's funny. I It's rare for me to dislike so much of something's aesthetic and still be like, it gets my unconditional recommendation and I have nothing bad to say about it. But that's how I feel. I want to come back. Well, definitely, obviously, we'll be talking about this again in two weeks, but I'm very curious to ask the dumb question that I don't want you to answer now, but of, of whether you think it is a better game than Breath of the Wild. A dumb question, but I'm curious. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll see how you feel in two weeks. We we will see how I feel in two weeks. Yeah. What have you been playing, Matt? I'm sorry, I talked a lot there. That's all right. I like listening. I'm a good listener. Yeah. Um, I could pair it back to everything you said. <laughs> I've been playing uh Tango Gameworks The Evil Within. Two, two. Yeah, this is a Shinji, uh, the sequel to Shinji Mikami's The Evil Within. It's a survival horror game, third-person shooter, I guess. Um, this is being billed as a open-world game, which I think is a grave, like kind of like overstatement. It is. Uh, it's it's interesting in the ways that it mixes up the formulas uh, that are really established in Resident Evil Four and built on in The Evil Within. And also built on in games like The Last of Us, I would say. This kind of, um, what's become a very stealth-oriented action shooter. Um, the There's like these two, so far in it, like I'm probably maybe about halfway. There have been like two large open hub spaces. One of which is residential, the other one which is sort of business-oriented, like a business district. And they're connected by a series of what are essentially much more um, linear, kind of classic Resident Evil 4, like, here's a path, just follow this path. Oh, zombies are coming out from the sides, and, like, deal with it as you will. Um, I like it. I mean, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. This game has crashed on me twice. (laughs) No, three times. It has crashed on me three times. 
like hard glitches out. To oh, the hard crash to, to yeah, wow. like hard crash to the the, the the start screen. And every single time, I have just been like, I guess I'm booting this up again. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you lose a lot of progress when that happens? So here's the other problem with the game uh, is that it has an incredibly inconsistent autosave. I'm also playing it on the hardest difficulty level You're an because idiot. I am me. But this is why I love playing these games. I love, I love resource management games like this. One of my favorite gaming experiences of all time is playing like the hardest difficulty level for The Last of Us, where there's no HUD and you just need to be constantly. I love that conservation of resources. That feeling gives me like great pleasure because it is contrasted with such great anxiety and tension this game is so anxiety inducing in a way that like i don't understand why i like it and it's not because it's a scary game although we'll talk about that later because it is kind of a scary game i'm sort of surprised by that but it's the the tension of the autosave being so irregular and like (laughs) kind of awful and you know i complained a little bit about breath of the wild not really being difficult because of the fact that that the auto so consistent, it's so consistent. That's how Mario is, and this is the exact opposite of that. I think it's a problem with the game. <laughs> I like it because of it, though, Great. because it adds such like my my fear of enemies. I run a lot in this game. I am always fleeing. Um, there are enemies that I'm just like I'll come back for you at some point, and that's one of the benefits of the open quote unquote open world design. These mm-hmm. larger sandboxes that you can play in. Um, Insofar as like this game being larger, like the the larger world that you get to inhabit, and like this is less linear in certain areas, the systems are exactly the same systems. Like kind of the verbs that you have in the game are the exact same ones that you had in the first Evil Within. Uh, so it's that doesn't change a whole lot, but it's interesting to use them in a more open environment. In any case, uh, yeah, I mean, this is still like it's a it's a dumb game um, at the like at its heart. It is just like a zombie killing game that where the frame rate drops drastically. But I love the resource management. But the is story, it fun to shoot the zombies? It's fun to shoot the zombies. It's more fun. And like the guns feel pretty good. They don't feel as good as they do in The Last of Us. Still, I think. Um I'd say so. I think the I think the guns in The Last of Us feel better than Resident Evil Four. Personally, they feel. I haven't gotten all the guns. The shotgun feels amazing. The guns feel good. Yes, the guns feel good. It doesn't. The guns don't feel as good as successfully like sneak stabbing a zombie. Mm. Or and there's some really cool animations in this. There's this one move that you can give yourself um, by leveling up certain things because of course there's a skill tree where you can kind of like hide. Uh, against a wall as a zombie is coming up like like in an alley or something like that you can hide against the wall and then jump out in front of them and there's this one animation where you jump out in front of this like lady zombie with a knife and just like cut her throat open and you clearly like you think like i got her but because she takes two hits to take down she like her head snaps back and like you see like the throat open but then she snaps back at you swinging her knife and like i just like and then i just like run because i'm (laughs) it's terrifying so it's like full of moments like that that are like somewhat scripted but also also uh, come about because like there's a lot of you know it's just they're a fun, surprising it's surprising and it's a fun game and then you're constantly tense mm-hmm. because that lady could get me with one she in one hit because i'm playing on the hardest difficulty um i actually give you a lot of health in this game they're very generous with the health well you're playing on the hardest difficulty yeah but i don't use it because usually i'm just dead in one hit anyway <laughs> 
Oh, no. Uh, but, I mean, I, I really like it. Uh, with regards to the story, the story doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, like, this is also, this is, like, a game that has, like, a place called Crimson City in it. And Crimson is spelled with a K. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's, like, that kind of, it has that, like, Mikami quality of, like, every line seems to have, like, been run through Google Translate. Yeah. And, and like, like there's lots of strange non sequiturs that you kind of make observations about things that just like it's it's fantastic in that regard so the story is really bad but i love it right because because it is it's what it's what you want from it it's exactly what you want from it that being said um one of the really cool things that they're able to do that they couldn't do with the first one because the first one was a cross-gen release and it was on both the, the 360 and the ps3 as well as the new generation of consoles they can do a lot more with light in this yeah and there are some really cool and very scary moments like that are kind of predicated on, on interesting lighting effects. Hmm. Um, so I find this game kind of like much creepier than I was expecting. And I really, I kind of like that That's about it. That's great. Yeah. The and idea also, of a genuinely frightening horror game is yeah. really cool. There was a period, and this is my last comment on it, um, but I'll talk about it more two weeks from now. There was a period of time in which games started doing this thing where you would enter, especially horror games, where you would enter a room through a door, turn around and the door would be gone. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, it's at this point kind of a cliche, um, but it's a cliche I love. Yeah, like, cool. I will always fall for that trick and just be like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, no. What's going on? There wasn't a hallway there before. Like, I love this kind and of stuff. And it makes the like, and, this, yeah. and you're like, oh, God. This game is that 100%. Yeah. Also, excellent sound design, mm-hmm. as you would expect. Um, so, yeah, I I really dig it. It's it's buggy is is all hell. It's crashed on hard crashed on me more than any game. I think it was actually just on the last podcast that I was talking about how like nothing ever hard crashes on me on my PS4. I think it was. And it was yeah, it's three times. Um but I booted ridiculous. up every time. That's I really so like busted. it. And I'm looking forward to talking about it more. I'm also looking forward to playing it with you because I'm curious to know what you will yeah, think. Yeah, I'm excited to play that game. I, I if Mario hadn't come out, I would definitely be understandably. Playing that. But I like Mario a lot. And I will say Mario, the one thing I'm never concerned about with Mario is it crashing. That game is solid as a rock. Does it run at 60? Mm-hmm. Mm. Do the levels exist in that kind of like just floating in air way that they did in 64? No. Okay. Uh, like you, you, if you hit the edges. Some of them do, actually. Yeah, some okay. of them do. It was like that. That's my favorite kind of Mario. The, there is an element of it where I feel as though they took from 64 you know remember the bow like the pre-bowser stages in 64 mm-hmm. um and those were more linear yeah those are what became the like 3d land yes very much so games yeah I've... and then this is the game where they finally said what if all the levels were both of those things all right so what was your favorite thing this week that was not a video game <laughs> you have no idea i have no idea do you want me to go first um, my favorite thing this week was a book, um, called the book of dust volume one, La Belle Sauvage by Philip Pullman. Is this, this is the, it's the prequel to the dark materials. Yeah. It's well, this is, this one's a prequel and the next two in the series are going to be technically sequels. Oh man. I so this one takes this. place. I thought it was awesome. Talk about the Odyssey. It is, it is very similar to the Odyssey. I love those books yeah i so love them much. too and i think I the golden compass them. when you go back to it it holds up 
incredibly well. The, the yeah, they kind of as they go along don't hit the high water they're, mark. They're never going to the be Golden as good Compass. as the Golden yeah, Compass. The Golden Compass is the best of them, but they remain interesting, mm-hmm. I think, and I like kind of really respect where they go. Um this is just like an adventure story that takes its time. Like it's kind of divided into like the first half is kind of like a Jean Le Carré like kind of spy novel but like with a kid yeah it's like very cool and then the second half is like the odyssey um that sounds amazing it's a i i really liked it a lot it's not nearly as like cleanly just like this is an awesome book as the golden compass but it's just fun to be in that world more like the entire conceit of people having their their souls externalized so as a pet cool. it's just yeah it's so it's, it's such it's so, a good idea yeah no i'm just smiling thinking i know about so it. am i <laughs> so um i actually i got it as an audiobook and the audiobook is read by michael sheen uh wow. who and it's it's really good he does an excellent job good voice he's got a very good voice he's got very many voices too um but yeah i just i tore through that and when it was over i just started listening to it again really yeah it was just it was so good oh, I, I was just i was finding excuses to like i was just like going on walks right, just like right. listening to it oh man i gotta get it yeah it's real it's real nice i i highly recommend it to anybody and i recommend the the his dark materials trilogy yes okay my thing of the week is the golden compass <laughs> <laughs> a hot new book from uh, 1995 that will is it that old? It is that old. Jeez, man. I know. Oh, no. Jeez Time. Whiz. Time just comes for all of us. Uh, yeah, so anyways, you should read uh, The Golden Compass. It is awesome. And just the idea of these pets being you. Yeah. You share thoughts with them. I love and... it so much. Well, I think so often about service animals. Hmm. And how crazy it must be. You know, it's so difficult. I've I've had a dog and I've had a dog die. And that was incredibly difficult, right? But that dog was not my arms. <laughs> yeah. And did not save me from traffic regularly and stuff. And so you think about if you have a service animal, you can't live without a service animal. And so what is it like to be somebody's second service animal? Yeah, like what a terrible, what a terrible card to pull to be like. Hey, I'm so Although, excited! I've been training for years to become an excellent service helper. I think, and then you show up, and then this person is like in such a weird, devastated place. It must be very hard for that animal. I mean, I can't, I can't speak to this at all. Um, I, I think it's interesting, first of all, that you were look, that you looked at that through the an empathy lens for the animal. <laughs> But well, I, th- I think for both of them it's hard. Oh yeah, certainly for both of them it's hard. But no, I just think even it's even weirder. Uh, yeah, I know it's it's a very strange experience that the animal probably can't parse. Right. I also wonder though whether people with service animals to a degree have a very different. Not to say that they're distanced necessarily, but maybe that they're a little bit distanced too by necessity f- from um from their because they wouldn't call them their pets necessarily, would they? We should, I think they're more if you than have a head. service animal and you happen to listen to this podcast, please write in because I find it to be a really interesting relationship. Yeah, and or maybe if you know somebody with I a would, service animal, man, I wish I participated in game jams so I could make a game where you're a service dog. Yeah, that would actually that's a really cool idea for a game. And on that note, <laughs> we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.